0: to the Tarleton BSM podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Megan Trotter. Welcome back to Tarleton. We miss you guys over Christmas break. Um, we Every single year, Tarleton does this really funny thing in the fall where like 60% of our campus changes. Freshmen come, really that's that's about how, many, how much freshmen are on campus. Because the upperclassmen statistics, some of them are online, some of them are on block, things like that. And so really most of campus is freshmen. So every fall, our campus looks completely different. But when we start spring semester, it's not as exciting (laughs) because nothing's as new and the people aren't as new. Um, But I am excited that y'all are back. And I'm excited that for the first time, if you're a freshman, you're technically an upperclassman. When I went to Tarleton, which wasn't that long ago, um, and I went home from my my first semester, my freshman year, I went home for Christmas break and I realized that I had completely changed. Um, I realized that when I went and hung out with my friends. Um, Some of you know this, you remember the moment when you went and saw your friends from high school and you realize like, oh, I have no idea the people that you call friends now. You really don't know the friends I call now. Um, But the spring is just as much of a fresh start as the fall. We just, just doesn't feel as new. Um, But that's what we want to talk about tonight. Tonight, the next night, and the next night, Thursdays, not Friday, Saturday, we're going to be covering a series called A Fresh Start. We're going to be looking at new beginnings. And the big idea for tonight is that God wants to use my life in this new year for His glory. It's like, that's the summary. That's what you need to walk away with, is that God wants to use my life, He wants to use your life in this new year for His glory. But if you've, if you've been around the Bible or you've grown up in the church, you start to realize that this is kind of God's specialty. Like when if God was like super skilled at something, fresh starts are where it's at. Almost every single character in the Bible did like a 180 degree turn when they met God or when God spoke to them. It's, it really is. It's like how he does things. In the Old Testament, you see like Ruth, her husband died. She was a foreigner, and all of a sudden, God gave her this new family. This, he, he she, she had a new religion. Everything changed for Ruth, 180 degrees. We see in the New Testament, a couple people we looked at last semester. Peter, Peter was a fisherman. He worked for his dad. Jesus said, I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. I want you to fish for people. And he made him pretty much go from being a homebody to a nomad in 3.8 seconds. Okay, so it was 180 fresh start. We see Paul, we, we talked about him. His life was so different that he changed his name to Paul, because his his name was Saul. But God met him on the road, completely changed his life. Well, tonight I want to look at two men, two men from the Old Testament. So if you've got your Bibles, flip them open or flip them on. If you don't, that's okay. The words will be up on the screen. But I want you to go to Exodus. That's the second book of the Bible. So it's kind of easy to find but we're gonna look at what what seems to be practically the main character of Exodus, other than God. Exodus is obviously about God, it's in the Bible, right? But we're gonna be looking at a man named Moses first. And Moses has this really interesting story. He's, it's a really long story, actually, that's why he gets a whole book. Um, but Moses was born in a time where Israel was slaves to Egypt, okay? And so he was born a slave, it's just how it was. But because Israel had become so populated, the Pharaoh became very, very intimidated. And so why Why did he become intimidated? Because if the Israelites looked up and they're like, oh, you know what? We have double the amount of Israelites that Egypt has. They could have overthrown Egypt. So out of his fear, Pharaoh killed all of the baby boys. Like, like rated R. Graphic really happened. Okay, history. There it is. Um, you didn't know you're coming to class but here we are but Moses his parents were trying to save his life So what they did was they put him in a basket put him in a river and hope that he made it somewhere anywhere but Egypt like just go like pray they prayed to God God please protect this baby whatever but God did protect Moses in fact he protected him so well that the house that he ended up at was Pharaoh's house it's one thing to decree to kill babies. It's another thing to kill one that's right in front of you looking all cute. And so what they did was they took Moses in and they raised him as royalty. And so Moses has this unique story where he was an Israelite, but he was raised as an Egyptian. In fact, he was poor and about to be killed. And then 180 degrees, we see a fresh start for Moses right out the start. He becomes Egyptian royalty. He's raised in the palace, things like that, but he messes up. He's he's worshiped. He's got all this power. He murders someone, and all of a sudden now he's an outcast, and he's fleeing, right? Because what do you do if you break the law? You either, you're either you either going to get caught and get in prison, or you got to run, and so Moses ran. So 180 degrees, Moses had to have a new start because he went from royalty, pampered life, to pretty much being running around in the desert, afraid for his life. Okay. Moses he finds a new people that's not Israel and it's not Egypt. And he builds this life. He gets married. He settles down and he builds a new life in the desert. That's where I want, that's, that's the context building up to what we're going to read. Okay. So like I said, look back at the Bible. We are going to look at Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 7, is where we're going to start. It's, it's a big story, and so if I skip something, I'll let you know. Um, verse 7 says, The Lord said, oh, you need some context for that too. The Lord, this is crazy thing, and he appears, he gets Moses' attention out in the desert with a burning bush, and this is where we're at. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey in the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and Pezites, Hivisites, Jebusites. Pretty sure I didn't say any of those right. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay. So God shows up, he speaks to Moses, and he says, your people, my people, are in slavery, and I've heard them crying out. So God's heart hurts for Israel. He wants to save them. He wants to deliver them out of slavery, and and he's inviting Moses into it. He's like, I've got a plan to change the world, to save Israel, and I want to use you. It's, It's an extreme honor. The God of the universe invites Moses into this. But, verse 11, we see, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Okay, fair enough. Moses is like, why me? Who am I? I I'm nothing special. I don't want to do this. And God said, I'll be with you, <laughs> and this will be the sign to you that, I have, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So God pretty much says, you're not special, but I am, and I'll be with you. Um, And then he says, I promise I'll put you back. That's kind of how I read it. He's like, he already foresees some of Moses' excuses. He says, I'll bring you back to this this spot. Like, I'll return you. You can go back to your life if you'll just go with me. Then I'll put you back on this mountain and you'll worship me. Okay, sounds like a pretty decent deal. God says it's going to work out. It's going to work out. But Moses said to God in verse 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask him, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Okay, excuse number two. Moses says, all right, I I hear you. But what if they ask me questions I don't know the answer to? I've totally said that before. (laughs) To God. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you're saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So God doesn't need to, but he explains who he is, right? He's like, this is what you can say. If they they even ask, this is what you can say. God goes on, 16 through 22, God goes on to give Moses a play by play. So he, he amuses Moses' fear. He amuses Moses' excuses. And he says, here's a play-by-play. Here's exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. You'll say this. They'll do this. They'll say this. So then you'll do this. But then I'll do this. And then at the end of it, you'll plunder Egypt. Okay? Okay? That's what God said. God says, it's going to work out so well that you'll leave Egypt with a bunch of gold on your back. Like, that's how well this is going to go. So just trust me is what God says. So skip down and go to the next chapter, Exodus chapter four. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Okay. Excuse number three. Moses says, all right, say, I do know the answers to their question, but they still don't listen to me. Okay. God, God tells him, uh, they're going to listen to you, but even if they don't, I'll give you some signs that prove that only God could do something. Like, I'll give you some powers that prove you're not just here on your own behalf. You're here on God's behalf. Okay? Ba- verse 10. Skip all the down on verse 10. We see excuse number four. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I'll go ahead and confess. I've already, I've used this excuse to God too. I'm just not a good speaker. Like if I know what to say and I go and they listen to me, it's still not going to work out because I'm not a good speaker. That's what Moses says. Now, Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth and who makes the deaf them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. Okay. I kind of feel like, god's getting irritated i just feel like that i don't maybe not but he's more patient than i am i know that much verse 13 it says but moses said pardon your servant lord please send someone else so finally god says no i just don't want to send someone else okay so we see this moment where god appears to moses and he gives him this wonderful plan he's like your people are dying in slavery I want to use you to save them. It'll be perfectly safe. You will make it out so much so well. You will leave with gold on your back. I'll teach you what to say. I'll speak through you. I'll give you special powers. Like God gives him like everything he needs and more to go. Okay. But he ends by saying, Pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Okay. Spoiler alert, Moses does go. The Israelites do make it out of Egypt. Um, But obviously, we read this not without a pretty good fight, pretty good argument with Moses, Moses arguing with the God of the universe. Okay, I want to look at the second man who had a conversation with God um, tonight. Okay, go to the book of Isaiah. It's after, let's see, it's after Song of Solomon, but this is a story about a man named Isaiah, okay? Okay. In chapter 6, we see that God speaks almost in just a crazy way, like the burning bush, just like that, kind of in a a different context. He speaks to him in a crazy way. And God says in Isaiah 6, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, This is Isaiah, here I am, send me. That's the whole story. Like, that's that's the conversation that happened. Okay? You see, Moses, God says, I need somebody to do something. And Moses was like, well, you need to explain to me what it is. Uh, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. What about this? You have you, God, you haven't thought about this. Then we see Isaiah. God says, I need somebody to do something somewhere, sometime, someplace. And Isaiah says, I don't care what it is. I'll take it. I'll do it. Whatever you need, here I am, send me. We see two different people have an encounter with God, and God speak very clearly to them, but we have two different reactions. And God, God in turn, used Isaiah to be the mouthpiece to Israel. God spoke through Isaiah and helped, helped Israel learn how to follow God in a different context than Moses, but it was very similar. God used them in such a big a way to serve Israel and for God to get glory. But how much easier would it have been for Moses to just say, "Yes, Lord, here I am, send me." But he doesn't. Even though God knew the hurt of Israel, Moses had seen the hurt of Israel firsthand and he still didn't want to go. As we look at our fresh start this semester, as we look at 2021, we're all, I know all of us are praying it's better than 2020. Um, but as we look at our fresh start, I'm going to knock this over eventually. As we look at our fresh start, I have four pieces of advice that I'd like for us to take. Just just learning from Moses. And the first one, they're on the screen, is to quit waiting on more details. No shame, just by a show of hands, how many people have prayed that God would tell them your, his will for your life? No shame. Okay. We sit and we wait for God to lay out a 12-page research paper for his will for our life. We wait. We're like, God, I want to know who I'm marrying, his hair color, his blood type, the color of my bride's page dresses. Yeah, right. His, and his 401k. Like we want it. We want all those details. And when has God ever worked like that, right? If God told me my future 10 years ago, just, just these past 10 years. I would have, I would have been in a counselor and they would have been fixing my brain because I would have shut down thinking of all the things that God was going to do in my life and in my family's life because I couldn't handle it. And the truth is we can't handle the details. We can't handle it. And Moses, God gave Moses the details. Don't get me wrong. God's not trying to confuse us. God is a God of truth. He's not a God of confusion. That's what our enemy does. Our enemy lies to us and confuses us, but our God doesn't. So don't get me wrong. God's not just playing with you. He's not trying to hide things. But we just wait. We wait. We're like, God, if you'll just give me a little more confirmation that this is what I'm supposed to do. And the truth is, is we've got to go. Yes, here I am, send me. We've got to put our yes on the table, and we've got to quit making excuses. We see Moses making excuses, and when I look back at my own life, if I let myself have excuses, I will always find a reason to say no. Whether it's I'm not eloquent speaker or I just don't, what if they ask me questions I don't know the answer to? Just like Moses, that's word for what Moses said. He's like, well, what do I say when they ask me who you are? I just don't know. What if they don't believe that you appeared to me in a burning bush? What if they think I'm a crazy person? Like we, we come up with these excuses. And when we leave room for excuses, we'll always say no. We'll always find a reason to say no. And so the number three is put your yes on the table. I kind of got in my head of myself i while ago. But this is one of, the, one of the first 402s I can remember. Somebody spoke on putting your yes on the table. It's this idea of saying, when you sit down for a deal, you put your yes on the table before you even hear the offer. It's like, if, if it's between me and God, and it's God asking me to do something, it's always going to be yes. Like to purpose yourself, before the Lord to always say yes to everything he asks, whether it's a small thing, like giving $5 somewhere, or heading into conversation, or it's a big thing, like giving your life to ministry, or going on missions, or confronting your family. Whether it's this big daunting task or this little daily task, we put our yes on the table, say yes to anything God could ask us for. And number four is to let God get glory from your life. As long as we look at our life as our life, We'll never get anything done that matters because we were built for God's glory. Scripture says that from Genesis to Revelation is that we were created through God and for God. Like, and that's, you see Moses, what does he say? At the end of this, you'll know when you've succeeded because you'll be worshiping me on this mountain. When we read Revelation, if you you ever want to see the end of time, it's us worshiping God. Is that our greatest and truest purpose is for God to get glory through us? And so, those are the four things that I wanted to take from Moses and I wanted to take from Isaiah is that we would be ready for anything without any details to say, Yes, here I am, send me. So, maybe you're looking at this new semester and you're like, I don't really, like, I'm not really into New Year's resolutions. Um, every time I try to set a New Year's resolution to work out, I just get fatter and. Every time I set a New Year's resolution not date losers, I always date more, like whatever it is, I, I believe God likes New Year's resolutions personally. Um, but maybe maybe last semester was okay. Like it was comfortable, like you made friends and maybe it wasn't, maybe it was awful. Maybe you look back and you're ashamed of who you were and what you did or what you didn't do, like go to class. <laughs> like maybe, maybe you look back and you're like, no, I do wanna be different, like I do, want a fresh start. I like want to be free from anxiety. I want to be free from sexual sin. Whatever it is, we look at, we look at our futures and when we look at it through the lens of God, we know that there's hope. Because God is in the business of fresh starts. He is a professional at fresh starts. That's what he does. And maybe, maybe you're looking at this and you're like, I don't really know where I fall into this story. I don't know if I'm Moses and I'm making excuses, or I'm Isaiah, I'm Isaiah and I'm ready to go, um, or maybe maybe even I'm I'm the slave, just waiting for God to finally hear me, and send someone to help me. But the truth is, is that God speaks and cares for all of these characters, and God speaks to and cares for everyone in this room. I I think about the slaves, and I think about how they cried out for a savior. And God is hearing them and putting together this plan when Moses was born to put him in the river and to get him to the Pharaoh and to raise him and send him out in the desert and to speak to him and to call him back. I can see God being like, just wait, I'm I'm working out this plan to save you. I'm sending you a deliverer. And he sends Moses and he delivers them out of Egypt. And I, I look back at my own life and I look at our campus and I think that's, That if we're anyone in this story, then we're really the slaves. We're really the ones crying out for help, chained to sin, chained to our mistakes, just the shame cycle that we live in, the anxiety, depression cycle that we live in. And we're crying out for a deliverer, and that's exactly what God has been planning since the beginning of time. And that's what we see in Jesus. God sent Jesus here to die on the cross for us, to take our punishment. And to take our sin and to take our pain because he heard our cries and he wanted to save us. And Jesus died for us and freed us. He delivered us out of sin. He did all of the work without complaint, without excuse, like Moses. And Moses is really just just a story that's supposed to reflect Christ's coming. Because Moses was before Christ. And Isaiah, Isaiah was going out to help the people be holy. And that's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, like Isaiah, he came and he was the mouthpiece of God helping us find holiness, which just means like this purity, this perfection, this lack of mistake, you know? And I just think some of us, we're, sla- we're slaves. This is what we are. And we're just waiting. We're waiting to find that deliverer and that delivers in Jesus. Some of us are Moses. And some of us are Moses dragging our feet to save Israel. And some of us are comfortable in the desert, settling down with our wife and ignoring the fact that our people, our campus, our family is dying in slavery. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. Like, think about it. Slavery, the the biggest spiritual slavery, the truest death is because of sin. It's not because of Egypt, our bad people, racist people. It's sin. It's sin that holds us captive. And if that's true, then every single one of our family, friends, coworkers, and peers that doesn't know Jesus is stuck in that slavery, whether they know it or not. And we can't live our life with our head in the desert and just ignoring the fact that our people is dying and that God is trying to send us. To share about his deliverer, Jesus, with them. There's no doubt Moses was happy. But Moses wasn't fulfilling his promise his his purpose until he said yes. And he put his yes on the table to follow God back to his past and deliver his people. And I if I can be honest with you guys, I think that's what God wants with our semesters. He wants to get glory. He wants us to say yes to anything but he wants us to go back to our people and share about the freedom that can be found through Jesus Christ. Now, if the band will come up, I just want to look at one thing. And you don't have to turn there to be on the screen. Um, but John eight thirty six, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If the Son, being Jesus, sets you free, then you'll be free indeed. If you are looking for freedom and you're looking for life it's not found in a degree and it's not found in any human on this planet it it is found in Jesus and Jesus is the only thing that offers freedom second corinthians 5:17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here jesus gives fresh starts he gives it out like candy And the truth is, if you look back and you don't like who you've been, then Jesus has the grace, the forgiveness, and mercy to give you a fresh start, to help you start over, and you can have that tonight. Maybe next time we're on this mountain, whether that be 402 next week or the kickoff of 402 next semester, maybe you'll be different, and maybe you'll come back and you'll give God glory for real for the first time. And I hope that that's true. Um, if you haven't experienced God. Um, but I, I pray for us, um, I'm gonna pray for us that we would be able to say yes to whatever God would have for us and that we would say send me to wherever he would want us to go. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at TarletonBSM. BSM. See you next time.